All right, everybody. We thank you so much for coming. All right, now it's official. Thank you so much for coming. Episode one of Wine, Pizza, and Content. We got our uh, we got our panel here. We got the great DJ Clue. You world famous, world famous. We got Dave East in the building. Dave East, and of course. The content king himself, Gary V, is in the building. Make some noise, please. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Dave, thank you so much for coming and joining us. We really thank appreciate it. Thank you, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. So three out of four of our panelists are, uh, are native New Yorkers. DJ Clue's a Queens man. I'm, a, I'm the boy from New York City. Dave's a Harlem and Queens man. Am I right about that? Both. Okay, where'd you start? I'm holding down Harlem. the Soviet Union. Harlem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gary wants us all to sing the Soviet national anthem. <laughs> like Nikolai Volkov. Absolutely, absolutely. This is the Gary V Audio Experience. So Dave, you started out in Harlem, right? Yeah, East First Avenue, Harlem. Then um, I lived in Queensbridge and Ravenswood. Okay, okay. How old before you, uh, you got out to Queens? Um, like moved, maybe yeah. like 15, 16. But I was always back and forth because my aunt... That was the reason we went over there. Okay. So I would be just visiting. Then when she passed, I moved to her apartment. Got you. Got now, you. now, Dave, what made you want to start in uh in hip hop and rap? Uh, I always loved rap. Um, but like to get serious with it, like when basketball ain't work. Like once I knew that was over, I want to do something that I know I'm enjoy doing every day. I can be my own boss in it. Work for nobody. Now, now, what would you say is that that defining moment when you was like, "Yo, you know what? I really think I could really do this and, and make some money." Um, when Nas when Nas shouted me out, I was like, oh, it's, "It's real, like you know what I mean? It ain't, it ain't just my block or just New York City no more." You know what I mean? Like somebody like that speaking on it, just I knew I was like, I'm about to at least have a career with this. You know what I mean? So, how old are you when that happened? Uh. 25. So how, how did that relationship start? How did, how did you meet with Nas? How did he discover you? How did that happen? Um, like I said, I was living in Ravenswood, and me and Jungle was tight like before I was even rapping. So um, I would just go to Queensbridge, get my Jamaican food, my weed, like whatever. I just, you know what I mean? <laughs> or, and I would... I would <laughs> Gary, is that I was, where you get your weed? That's where I got <laughs> yeah. it. That's where I got it. Go ahead. I would just um, go to the bridge and always see Jungle. And at that time, um, I had like little mixtapes out, doing little freestyles. I had did like um, mad ciphers, like that. And um, the hood was talking about it, you know what I mean? And Jungle was, had caught wind. He was like, bro, I didn't even know you was rapping, like, you know what I mean? Because I I, I I'm never the type to pull up on you like, yo, I got, you want to hear this? Like, I would never do that. So um, he kind of just heard through the streets about it. And he was like, yo, I put Nas on to the I'm like, the out of here. I'm saying, like, you ain't, you ain't sitting with him somewhere listening to my shit. There's no way that's a reality. But um, maybe like two or three weeks after that, Aunt Nas' manager called me. He's like, yo, I'm in New York. Let's get up. I'm like, oh, this shit is real. Then I spoke to Nas, you know what I mean? Dave, here's the real question. Which current NBA superstar were you better than back in the day? Guys, on a serious note, everybody watching on my stream, think, like, think, like think, I, you know, think. I don't know if Dave saw this, but I had to put it some. It might not Dave... even be like a star right now. Like it might have fell who, off by now. Who'd you yoke on? 
Guys, Dave was a ridiculously good player. Uh, like a Dante, real player. Dante Cunningham, wherever he at, I boomed on him crazy. <laughs> wherever Dante, can he remember that? Like Actually, let's go. Grade. Let's go the other way to make it a little relevant for everybody watching. Right. When who'd you who'd you play coming up the basketball game? Like like that whole scene, college, whatever. Who'd you watch or play against or play with that you really knew were gonna be where they are today? Um. Probably Kevin. K- KD, right? Kevin for sure. Kevin for sure. When, when, When's the when first I time first you saw K- Kevin? Yeah. Um, I was in 10th grade, so I was like 16, 17. But um, he was real skinny. like super, He's still super, skinny. He, he way, way bigger than he was like when I met him. You know what I'm saying? But he, um, I had never seen nobody that tall shooting like that. You know what I mean? I hadn't seen, he was shooting from everywhere, mad tall. Like. And then um, I went to Richmond. He went to Texas, and I'm sitting after our games. We losing like a <laughs> at Richmond. You know what I'm saying? We get smoked by everybody. Like I never forget, we played VCU. VCU had Eric Maynard was their point mm-hmm. guard. I remember that. And Larry Sanders. That was the year they beat Duke. Yeah, they had a they great beat squad. Us by like sixty that year, bro. Like <laughs> some embarrassing. Shit, you feel me? But every night after we would lose or win, I'm going back to the hotel or back to my dorm, and I'm watching Sports Center. And Kevin's going crazy. I'm watching this like nah. Because he was nice in high school, like, but I, I didn't really get to see it, see it until I was away from him. You know, when you when you hooping with somebody, it's like, you know what I mean? You, you, I'm challenging him, he's challenging me, but once I got to sit back and watch him in Texas, I said, nah, he going to be a star, like, all the way a star. But a few of them, Harden, um, Westbrook, um, Jeff Green, Jeff Green, mm. Jeff, I lost the state championship. I went to Springbrook High School. Silver Spring, Maryland, my the end of my eleventh grade year and my senior year. I lost the state championship to Jeff Green. He had dreads. Yeah, he, he, I forgot the school. I think it was Northwestern in um in Maryland. But I lost the state championship to Jeff Green. He went to Georgetown, wow. right? And then he went to Georgetown. He, he was a real player. Yeah. Wow. Big play. Yeah. I grew up with Jesse, Sap. Me and Sap from the same side. He went to Georgetown. But he, um a few a few of them, like the basketball. <laughs> It's like it's touchy with me. That's why I left it alone, like all the way. You know what I mean? I, I got into rap and just went into rap. You know what I mean? Now with these new contracts, do you ever feel like, yo, man, I might have to put the put the mic down and get a little ten day, <laughs> get a little ten day contract? These contract. new contracts are no joke. A, a, a ten day contract now might get you about five, six mil, little seven ten, mil. Little ten day. I might try. I might try some masterpiece. <laughs> I don't know. For the Knicks, that'll look. That'll that'll be a good look. I had to work out for like a summer though. I'm smoked out. It might be longer than summer. I ain't gonna lie to you. <laughs> you like a summer. And a I winter. need a good summer. No weed. Hey, Tom. What's going on with the uh, What's going on with the pizza world? Break us down. What's like What's happening here in Made in New York? Like, what are people eating? What are people excited about? Well, you know, Made and because New York... so much of my audience is entrepreneurship. Yeah, what did you know? You've been an entrepreneur your whole life. What's the biggest thing you learned from the instant success that this location was? No, we're really lucky. Uh, it really, honestly, it was an instant success. You guys know you, you're involved in this with us. And uh, we opened this place six months ago. It was uh, a late. An instant love. success. Yeah. I, well, you know. I know, really. I mean, like, you've done a lot of stuff. Southern hospitality, sure. hunting fish. Yeah, of course. You know, this place opened and it mm-hmm. worked right away. And that's okay because a lot of shit doesn't work right away. I'm actually really curious because this worked well, and it's always a grind. You got to maintain it. I'm not saying that, but what was the biggest thing you learned? from it working so much better out the gate than you expected? 
think the reason this place works so well, we had a vision that we, we stayed clear to. We stayed on our path. Like This was supposed to be like a great New York product. It was supposed to be like the New York slice shop that went to after school. You know, it was supposed to represent that place that, you know, you were sitting there in your classroom at 2.30, you couldn't wait to go there, and that's what it was supposed to be like. It wasn't supposed to be like the Neapolitan thing. It was supposed to be a great New York product. And I think, you know, I got, you know, my guy Frank, he's back there now. He's like one of the great pizza guys in the industry. I think we were very true to our product. We never deviated. You know, some people in the media suggested we go in different directions. We never did that. We really believed in it. Thank God we're lucky, man. Our numbers keep kept growing and growing and doing really well. It's, uh, it's, it's a great thing. So I know we were going to do this show, and there's something I've been wanting to ask you that I've ne- I always forget when we hang out, and it's fun to think about hip-hop and basketball because this is such a common thing. Andy, get him down. Get him down. So, so to me, I want to know what your top five list, not in rap, not in basketball, I want to know what your top five all-time WWF, W. CW, NWA, wrestler. I want Aton's top five. If you don't know, this is one of the great connoisseurs of wrestling. I want to know <laughs> your top five. You a wrestling Start, fan, Dave? Dave, did you like wrestling? Were you a wrestling fan when you were a kid? I like Sting. Sting? Sting? Was a good one. All right. That was a good I, I had the Sting mask, all that. <laughs> yeah. That's no, I want you to go five, four, three, two, one. Are you talking about greatest wrestlers of all, all time? All time. All time. I'm putting you on the spot. Wrestlers of moments. That's the one. I know, but I yeah. need you to go five, four, three, two, one. Okay. I, so one being Here the best, go. right? Okay. Team Malenko. All right. So. I've been waiting for this for 20 years. This. I could do this. For sure. Uh, Think about your people. I could do it. I could do Clue, it. Clue, you got your top five list? Got the list? Superfly Snooker, number five. Okay. Yeah, I agree with Junkyard that. Dog, number four. JYD Thump. Ultimate Warrior, number three. Wow. Macho Man Savage, number, number two. two. Ric Flair, number one. Woo! That's my list. <laughs> I love it. I think I would take Junkyard off and put on Hulk Hogan on there. Hulk deserves to be there. Hulk's the greatest. But I Hulk didn't Hulk. make your top five. And I can't believe The Undertaker didn't make your top five. Oh, God. I love Mark. Mark's one of the greatest. You know what? I was under a lot of pressure. Mark, you're definitely... <laughs> He's about to tombstone yeah, you. Sure. He's about to roll up. I, I would definitely say... Um, Who's in there? I was definitely a big fan also of Sergeant Slaughter. Okay. That's a good one. Sergeant Slaughter was good when... Clue yeah. showing his age. Yeah. And Jimmy Fly Snooker was one of my favorites, though. Jimmy Fly's great. Wolfpack. Okay. Oh, I like you're, Dave's a youngster. He is a young guy. Dave's a youngster. He's like The Rock. I like the Wolfpack. <laughs> Stone Cold. Yeah. <laughs> Degeneration. Degeneration. You youngsters. Yeah. What, what's your list? My top five. So number five is The Missing Link. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Green Tongue. That's some nerd. Yeah. I know you youngsters have no idea what I'm Go saying. Ahead. Uh a good one. Number four is is Ravishing Rick Rude. That's a great one. Super underrated. Great one. Great one. Number three for me is Ric Flair. Okay. Uh, Number two for me is Mr. Perfect. He was unbelievable. That character. Good one. And number one, and he could be my number one, two, three, four, and five, is Macho Man Randy Savage. For yeah. all of you, for yeah. for all of you that follow my content, you'll never unsee what I'm about to tell you. When I make one minute videos on Instagram, I'm actually doing Randy the Macho Man Savage. I'm just doing a wrestling promotion. When I'm like, like my cadence, my cadence is basically Macho Man saying, "This Thursday night at the Civic Center, Hulk Hogan, you're." If once once you see me say that, 
You'll never unsee it. That's a great list. I think your cadence, your cadence needs to go up and down a little more if you're going to be... Because Macho Man's cadences was going from... Who saw... Thousands. Who saw Macho Man's promo? It just got released. I'd never seen it before. There's a video right now on social of Macho Man doing a promo in Spanish. I can he never did the saw whole that. thing. Who saw the rap song he did with 50 Cent? I saw. Oh, word? That was not one of 50's better moments. One. I don't yeah. remember Clue, that Clue, back to that top five. Real. Yeah. He's the wrestling man. Yeah. Top five hip-hop artists of all time. Oh, DJ man. Clue's top we five. Do this right now? Yeah, we're going to do it right now. It's okay. <laughs> Everybody's got opinion. It evolves. It's Clue's list today. This is like your it Mount evolves. Rushmore. Listen, I, I, I have... I have I, have I want to hear this. I have my five, but it's not in no specific order. Okay, I'll, I'll take it. I'll let you off the hook. Okay, um, That's an easy way to go, but go ahead. Yeah, you got caught. Me, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to go Big Nas, J, Kiss and Fab. Those are my five. Those are my personal five. Everybody's got a personal five. That's Dave, where you five. at? Dave, you got a five? Um, Nas, Biggie, Styles P, uh, Probably whole Eagle, Beanie. I like mm. Beanie. Okay. What about what about you, Gary? Biggie. Too short. Okay. Lil Wayne. Um. Bone Thugs and Harmony. Hundred percent. I love them the most. Cleveland's misrepresented. Uh, <laughs> Actually, I can't believe I'm going to say this because I can't believe how much I like He's so early, but I with T Grizzly so heavily. I, I honestly, no joke, and I know it's too early, but I'm telling you, my, my, my thing with people, you know, it's really funny. When I think about it, why I love Big and why I loved KRS-One, like T Grizzly paints pictures. I with T Grizzly. I think when, I know it's, I know everybody's watching right now, I was like, that's early or what? I have a funny feeling 10, 15 years from now, I'll recall this clip and look, I think he's got it like that. I think he can paint pictures. I didn't, I, I didn't put anyone on my list who's anywhere close to clocking out. As I get far it, as right I game. get it, I understand I thinking, that. I was thinking more golden era. You know I, get what I, mean? right. yeah. I get it, I get it. You know? Like Method Man belongs on that you list. You know how that is? It happens. I swear to God, I believe yeah, he belongs Method. on that list. I think he has a very Who? unique style, Method Man. I get it. Wu-Tang Some, changed yeah. a lot, Wu-Tang changed a lot. It's funny, I can't believe you're, do people, is that out? Like, do people even know that? Okay, I can't, when you told me that you're playing him in this upcoming film, it's crazy, the first time I heard you, it's crazy, where's Mike Boyd? Boyd, you still here? I didn't know that, I wasn't saying it because I knew that. Mike Boyd's here? Yeah, Mike Boyd's here. Like, like three years ago, four years ago, when Mike Boyd's like, hey, I think you'll really like this guy, Dave East from Harlem, and I listen, literally within the first 30 seconds, I'm like, man, remember? I was like, man, it gives me a little of that method, man, kind of, that was the first thing I texted him back. And then when you told me the other day you're playing him, I'm like, that's exactly how I, swear, I saw it. I wasn't saying that for any reason. Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you a question. Wu-Tang. When you were a young guy. That took over. Was Nas one of the artists, being you have the relationship with them, was he one of the artists, like, would you, a young guy listening to Illmatic, was he one of the artists that influenced the sound that you have now? Would you say that? Um, musically, kind of. Like, Nas kind of influenced me more like, like, like his style, 
Like Belly was always like one of my favorite movies. Great movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. And just the whole the whole character, sincere. I just I bought into that. You know what I mean? But I was I was like on as far as rap went, younger, I was much more into like Mace, Cam, like you know what I mean? Just okay. shit in Harlem. Like I was just like more into that as a when I was younger. As I got older, Nas music made more sense to me. You know what I mean? Because as a kid, I ain't really I ain't I knew the hits and shit like that that was on the radio, but the the deep deep. But, Nas, but was I it Mason Cam because of the Harlem influence? It was I would say part of it, but I could see them. Okay. You know what I mean? Like I could remember seeing Mace on 25th Street. I can remember seeing Cam by the by the mark. Like I can remember seeing them as a kid, so I could kind of like identify with them more because I seen them. You know sure. what I mean? Sure. I just feel like with Nas, I feel like when he when he rapped and was talking about something, he make you visualize it. See it at, with see words. It. That's, that's what made him so to me, crazy that's, with it. To me, over beats, over everything. To me, anybody you know, everybody hears different voices, but. Whoever can paint the clearest picture, for, like you're right. That's why that album is, anybody who can tell a story that you can see is always gonna be iconic versus anybody who can make you dance or a great beat, it's amazing, it's got a, it's got a certain shelf life. When somebody tells a true story and everybody, no matter what they come from, can picture it in their head, to me, that, that is Biggie. The reason Biggie's forever is no matter who you were, when he started talking, like everybody, like literally could picture a poster on their wall. Like it's that iconic, right. and I think that is the variable. When Mike, every time Boyd hits me with new stuff, and that's my whole life, every day, Stallion, Schmallion, like whatever's coming through, I'm always looking for: is this person helping me see it? Yeah. I can't wait for your new album. It's on. Tell him because <laughs> we were just talking. I was like, oh. That's what the two songs that really resonated with me when we were listening were the ones that most made me see it. So tell everybody who's watching and here about right. the new project. Yeah, I'm dropping my um, my debut album with um, Def Jam and Massapel, uh July. I don't have the exact date. You pushed it back a little? Because I'm gonna drop two singles in June. So the the first single will be coming out early June, mid June, and then I'm gonna drop the full project in July. But um, yeah, it's, I feel like this is my strongest body of work that I didn't I didn't put together. I've been sitting with it. I ain't released no music since um, me and Styles' album, <laughs> Beloved. I just been cooking up, really sitting with it, and just um, doing like I've been doing a lot of homework, just going back, listening to everybody first. Oh, is that true? N.W.H. Yeah, everybody. That's all I've been first. doing. They first, fifty first. Story for CNN, all like I've been just listening to every pun, everybody first album I went and just wanted like just hear their energy on their first album, like how they came out the gate, and just comparing it to my. I apologize for cutting you up, Clue. I want to ask you this. I always thought that the first album was the easiest because you had your whole life, and you could tell your story, right? And then it got harder. Do you think it's harder for people like this new generation that has so many? mixtapes and other projects that are out before they put out their, like when I was listening to you, I'm like, that's interesting, but for a lot of those people from an OG standpoint, their first album was their first work. Now these youngsters coming up, they're putting out music from the get, we're seeing it, and by the time they do their first album, a lot of times, we actually know a lot about them. They've already told us about their come up, and, and I've always felt the second album was so hard 
because you had your whole life to articulate it. Now you hit, and now people want something from you 24 months later. Do you think it's a challenge? It's different now with mixtape culture, with SoundCloud culture. Like, from your perspective as a true historian and OG of this, is it a challenge? Nah, it's definitely it's definitely a challenge because, like, if you go on the internet every day, there's 25 new songs coming out from different artists, new artists, and um, you know, a lot of people are, are coming out and making one songs and, and disappearing. You know what I mean? So it it kind of makes it difficult for someone who who's been out doing features, doing mixtapes, dropping to, to drop an album because, like, the anticipation and the pressure is just so much more now. You feel pressure about this album? Um, Everybody feel pressure about anything. I believe that. I yeah, believe that a little bit, but like more, more so like, uh, like for the ones that been rocking with me, you know what I'm saying? You want to like, come through for that? Yeah, like this. Why y'all been fucking with me? You know what I mean? Like that was my kind of mindset going into it. Like, of course, I want to appeal to new people, but the ones that been rocking and rolling from day one, you know what I'm saying? I feel like I owe it to them for that to be like as dope as it could be. You know what I mean? Sugarman. Something I think a lot of people may not know about you, like you, yeah. you successfully launched the Signature Club in New York City, like you did. Suede was one of the, like was the place for a period sure. of time. For all, again, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of people trying to make things happen. After, after you have such a big yeah. hit, after you have such a big hit, do you feel pressure on the next project? Like what happened to you? You know, I think of clubs in New York during that era. We, we're, we're in a non-club era in New York right now. Yeah. But when you were in the game, whoever had the club that was the king or queen of New York, you had it, but it was similar to like an album or a song. Clubs had shelf lives. You get the two, three year run. What happened to you after you were done, after you knew, A, when did you know that you were out of your white heat moment where you guys were the spot? And then B, what happened next? Because I think it's a super interesting question for a lot of people here. Now, before, 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 before he talks, Go. we're talking about the guy who built One Oak and sold it. True. Built One Oak, yep. it was done, and sold it. Yeah. One um, of the great mistakes of all time. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it wasn't a mistake. It I'm was, kidding, You I'm know kidding. what it was? Honestly, I knew my heart wasn't in that space. I knew it wasn't. I... I was opening up Southern Hospitality. I wanted to do that. My partners want, and you know what? Honestly, I, I didn't have it in me to do another club. I, I did it for all J- those years. Jason was with me today yeah. with a group of entrepreneurs. I was doing something, and I told him the only time I've lost meaningful money in my business career was when I was raising a hundred fifty million dollar fund, and one day I woke up and realized I wasn't into it, and I gave everybody their money back. Yeah. It's a huge lesson for everybody who's watching. When you actually know, Ace, I know you do a ton of. I see you shaking your head. The biggest mistake that people make is they start doing something, they tell everybody what they're gonna do. You actually said something to me once about a project, like when you know it's not right, no matter what you told the world, no matter how much money you're in, never see it through right. if you know it's dead. See, that's, I that's, respect that's, 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 that's the flip that. side of, of, of success with failure, right? So you just asked me why this place did well. Because my heart was in it, I had a path, and I knew. My heart wasn't in that. You know, the guy who owns this with me is my, my partner, Ronnie. We own One Oak together, too. We both looked at each other. We both knew our hearts weren't in it anymore. We didn't want to do it. I don't think we would have been successful. The guys White, who, one, it would have, Oak wouldn't be what it is today yeah. if you and guys you know what? The guys private. who we gave it to, 
good friends of ours, Richie Akiva and Scott Sardiano, and they did a Crushed great it. job. I'm so proud of them. I love them. And, you know, we did well on our own. And it's just, you know, I think you have to know when your heart's not in that game anymore. So we had a great run. We made money. Everything so was awesome. So go back to the question. When did you know, wait, like, when did you know it was over? I think I, we knew that we didn't want to be in that space anymore. I think it reflected in the business because we didn't want to do it anymore. We were both... How long were you doing it at that point? Four and a half years. And that's and was, every well, it's, night? It's, it's hard, man. It's long hours. It's getting home at, at 7 a.m. It's The truth is, and, you know... Uh, it probably, I hate saying this because his son is in the room, it probably cost him his marriage and it probably cost me that. It takes a toll on your life. It's a lot. It was a lot of fun. Don't get me wrong. We made money. <laughs> we, you know, <laughs> had, had fun. fun. For sure. This is, but, this is before everyone was buying 10, 20 bottles at the, at the, yeah. at the table. Well, that's listen, what it was great. And listen, Clue was there and we had, we had a, the best times. But You know what's he, crazy about Clue being there? Yeah. He looked exactly the same that he looks now. <laughs> yeah. I, the reason everybody's Clue, you have literally, forget black doesn't crack, like that is known, but you actually haven't aged in 20 the years. You, and man. I'm a little bit concerned yeah. about it. Dave? Now it's got when that. He was like six. When Dave was like six and a fan of you, you looked exactly the same. You know what's terrible? Right? There's, a, there's a picture of like 20 of us, and it's like me and Clue and Biggie and my yeah. daddy. Yeah. Clue, Everybody looks like Clue. old as hell except for Clue. Like we all now, Clue. you look at us like, what Clue, happened to all of us? Honestly, and Clue looks the, that's why the everybody same. laughed. Like, can you please tell the world what the I don't know, man. Good genes. I don't know, bro. Is that running your family like that? Uh, yeah, I would think so. It must. Look how beautiful his daughter is. Get it? Yeah, see? I get it. Absolutely. Doesn't age, man. Yeah. Looks like his. You got the secret, man. You got to put that out. <laughs> so you you when did you know? Like you just knew it in yourselves. Yeah, before? I just knew it. I just knew it. my heart wasn't in it. My partner's heart wasn't in it. We looked at each other. We knew, and that was it. We opened up Southern. Southern was a big success. The other things we did really worked out well. Like I said, that's the other side of success. It's knowing when you've kind of run your course. It's time to pivot. Kind of time to go on to do something different, and. Uh, Dave, let me ask you a question. Just like I'm, I'm sure Dave knew it was time to basketball wasn't his path, right? He got kicked out. <laughs> That's how he that knew. Was, so he, he knew. Then they said, you're off the team. You knew. That's how you knew. They kicked me out of the school. Doesn't get any more obvious than <laughs> that. The Forget team. the team. They the said, get the out of the get state. Get off of campus and <laughs> get out of here. Leave. Dave, on that note, like when I think about the four of us, and I just have a lot of context here, something I've been thinking a lot about the last six months is why do people know sometimes the second they meet somebody that it's like forever, right? Like if looking at all the faces right now, sometimes you just meet people and like, oh, I'm just gonna be friends, like I'm gonna be friends with this person for the rest of my life. Like talk to me about that first. Actually all three of you, like I don't know why this has been so in my mind lately, but like when I say that, I know how, like I know you two better and we're getting to know each other real well, like what do you think that is? How do you think about that? When I, when I talk about you, Literally, and I, I know my team's here, and I, as I introduced you to them through the years, I don't know if I know of a better friend on earth than you. Thanks, buddy. No, but you really, I think you know this about yourself. You know this about don't him. Don't gas him, no. Okay. But I'm going to gas him a little bit, because I have a selfish question for the audience, which is, you take a lot of pride in being a great friend. Yeah. Sure. Like, a lot more than normal people. Now back to my question. What do you think that is when people meet somebody and how do you think about it? And what are the efforts you put into it? Because I think relationships are like truly the foundation of the game. And I think a lot of people are missing it. And I think a lot of people are looking for short-term ROI. They meet somebody that they know have got something going on. And rather than building a real friendship, they want them to 
post them on Instagram and tag them and that's already kills the friend. Like, I think people are short-sighted. I think you're great at the long game. And more importantly, what happens to you when you recognize one of these people? Because you have a lot of them in your life, but not a lot of them compared to how many people you meet. Well, let me ask you a question. I'll, I'll, I'll turn that on to you. I see you do that for strangers. What's the impetus for you to do that? When you see, I, I see people that you see on your show that they tell you that they're in some kind of peril and they need some kind of help. And I saw that one guy on your show that said he needs $15,000 to get, this is a stranger. You didn't even know if what he was saying was truthful. You're like, good, you got it, it's yours. What makes you be that person? What's, what's, the, what's the impetus that makes you want to be that person? For me, it's intuition. Like, I don't know what else to say. Like, I'm, I'm sure maybe in some weird way it's all, here's my big thing. I, I always start with yes. I'm always like, yep. Like, I'm so not scared of anybody taking advantage of me. I'm so not scared of being wrong that I always start with yes. I meet somebody and I'm like, yeah, I got you. Or like, let's do it. Like, I'm, I'm just not scared of failing. And so I'm optimistic. And I think too many people are insecure and they're scared to get got. So they're just in, like my dad, listen. You know, I love my dad with all my heart, but he's in the no business. Everything's no. Because he just, he comes from a culture in the Soviet Russia, like, like to him, like getting tricked or somebody like doing wrong by him is like a death. Right. For me, if somebody me, that's their loss. Like, like it's that, I don't know if it's Bronx Tale or whatever that movie where the guy's like, only 20 bucks, you got off easy? That's how I feel. If somebody's stupid enough to not know what the I'm up to, that they're trying to get me on the short, on the quick, they lost because if you roll with me in perpetuity, you're gonna win. And so I think it's just self-confidence, but that's a little bit different than when I met you at that wine tasting yeah. where I went home, like brushed my teeth, looked at my wife, I'm like, I made a friend today, which is rare. Like, like I mean it, like, on, yeah, yeah. I know it's like kind of corny, like, like in a, I wanted to deliver it in a corny way because it doesn't happen often. It happened to us at the Knicks game. Right. We were talking, but like right. sometimes you just know that this is not, we're gonna check in every two months. Let me ask you another question. So, so Dave and I are killing this one. Good. This is bad. This is bad. I like it. Yo, clip that and run that yeah. ad on Instagram. I so, like it. So, so commercial. Against all hip-hop fans, swipe up to order yeah. it. Dave said it's good. When we met, Empathy, when we met you were primarily in the wine business. It took you a long time to finally put out your own wine. I know how many offers you got to do this, and it took you a really long time. Why now? And tell me about this. Circumstance. I'm, I'm loving it. I had two. I have two partners Dave in this and I business. I'm gonna drink this whole bottle. By the way. I have two partners in this business: John Troutman and, and Nate Schroeder. They've been with me for a decade. They were interns at Wine Library. They worked at VaynerMedia. The company was getting bigger. They were lieutenants. They mattered. But what they were doing wasn't like if I pulled them out, the whole company Vayner would still run. I saw that as a great thing. This is back to yes versus no. You got some senior people, they're good. Oh, if I pull them out, nothing would happen. People get upset about that. They're like, I'm like, good, let's go on offense. Direct-to-consumer brands have been blowing up the last three years. Everybody knows Lola, Gymshark, Fashionova, like that whole world. Just felt right. I was like, I trust these two lieutenants. I know how to build the brand. Our influencer marketing game's on point. Our media at some point. The whole VaynerMedia machine is a front to build brands. So, in gut, feelings. Killing it. It's a great product, baby. I appreciate it. Very proud of you. Thank you, brother. So, let me ask the people at this table.
And actually, we're about, real quick for everybody, we're about to go into Q&A. Absolutely. So, got so a question. whoever's got a question, let, we're about to go. let D-Rock know. Who's got the mic? Forward, uh, Tyler's got question. the mic in the yeah. back? All right. Uh, three of us are New York guys. Gary, you're a surrogate. We're, you were, we'll let you in. You're a New York guy. I'm Jersey, baby. What? Yeah, and you're a big Jets fan. We got, we got, we got a Jets player in the house here. I had Joe Namath on my show today. I know. I love that. Broadway, I was Broadway Joe. Pretty That's great. crazy. Yeah. You want to talk about it? Let me ask you a question. What do you oh, think growing up in New York, what did that mean to you? What, is that, what did that play into your artistry as to who you are as a man? What did being a New Yorker mean to you? No, with me, it was like I always got, I always had family out of town. So I would see being from New York, my influence on them, and just how excited they would be about everything. The way I talk, whatever sneakers I had on, whatever clothes, like, it was like they was living in another planet. I'm like, this is regular, like, this is what we, you know what I mean? This is how we dress, this is how we talk, this is what we eat, like. So it always let me know, like, New York was a, um, yeah, it was just a different, I know being from here was different to the world, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, no disrespect to where nobody from, but I knew being from New York, I had kind of an advantage to the world, you know what I'm saying? Because just growing up in New York. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Just growing up I don't in the think city. People, Dave, I apologize. Boy. I don't think people understand the delta between New York and everybody else. Right. I love when Boston and Chicago think they're close. Right. Confused. New York attitude is different, and I just me moving <laughs> around. You 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 see that, and you start to really appreciate it. You know what I'm saying? Like you go out of town, and everybody's so nice. Hey, hi. I, <laughs> I like hearing the cab. You, I, I like I like that. Like it's real. After you used to that, I like that friction. That that tension is hot. It's too many because around me. it's like, easy for you to go like anywhere that. else. Whereas if somebody's coming from somewhere else, it's hard you to come in. Here, exactly. 100%. New York can eat you up. You don't know where you coming to. Like, but you, if you from here, I always say if you can make it to New York, you could go to Sudan. You go right. anywhere and get it. You you're Idle Frank nailed. Yeah, nailed your, your peripherals is just on point. You just see somebody over your shoulder. You're, you just show. You, you used to like. Man, yeah. You be on point. Like, is this the greatest city in the world? Is there any doubt? Is this the greatest city no in the world? Hundred percent. No the greatest. Can't duplicate New York. I fully believe that. Gary, what does it mean to you? I, I think you know. I was jumping in and cutting everybody like. I, I think I genuinely believe what, I, what I'm saying, which is there's massive confusion between the delta of New York and every... Guys, Los Angeles is over at midnight. People are wrapping up. They're driving on the free... Like, no. like, like I don't even want to talk about... Like, listen, I love Chicago. Boston, I think, is... Boston's Connecticut. Like, I, but Boston doesn't damn, even hit my radar. Like, I, like, Who from Boston in oh, here? Ain't nobody from Boston damn. in the building? <laughs> I just, I, I think, forgive you. I, I, what New York has, and here's why I'm saying it, it's actually not coming from trying to razz people, New York has acceptance. New York has acceptance. Go, go take a camera and just walk up and down New York, watch 800 different look, looking people and nobody even reacts. That's called acceptance. New York, has, New York is the true accept, in a world where I wish we had acceptance everywhere, with China's exploding, right, and Beijing, and like, like, like China's exploding, but like, what New York will have is a true acceptance, no matter what you look like, how you roll, like, it's just normal. Look at the people in this room, like, it's normal, all different. It's the best, and there's no close second. 
if, if New York was a soda, New York would be Coca-Cola. It would. Anywhere you it. go, you see that red with the stripes, you just know what it is. If you see somebody walking on the AOL. street in, in L.A. and they have a New York cap on, you're going to be like, are you from New York? Because no, just like it's, the hat. It's, 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 just, it's just that respect that come with it. Eternity, you be seeing motherfuckers out there. Happy, happy, happy you? birthday to be. You're, you're a real, like. Bro, I'm the boy from New York City. You are That's like, my Instagram like you are, re- you, yeah. you love, but you love New York 1957. Like you love 1973. You know Not necessarily that. I, I love what it was when I grew up. I, it, it bothers me. You're nostalgic. Me. Yeah, for sure. It bothers me when I walk through like neighborhoods that I knew and I see stores that used to be owned by like. You know, amazing mom and pop. Yeah, immigrants. And now it's like a Starbucks and stuff. Sure. That, that bothers me. But I get it. It's still the greatest city in the world. It's still, to me, the cutting edge of the world. It still defines fashion. It still defines, you know, culture. But yeah, for sure. Do I miss the way it was? We all miss things the way they were. But Harlem ain't Harlem no more at all. Like, sure not. At all. Like, but listen, you know, but you know what? But you know what's fun, But you know what's funny about that? That's what the last generation said too. Yeah. You know when we have I know, drinks, we always, this we, we always talk, talk about. It. I'm like, yeah. yeah, but the people in 1920 during the Roaring Twenties yeah. thought your 1980s New York was soft as. Yeah, for sure. That's true. You know what's funny when I when I talk to my sister about this, my sister always says she goes, "It sounds like what you miss is the New York we grew up in, with people getting shot in the streets and heroin addicts." And I say, "No, I I kind of miss the grittiness of it a little bit." I don't, it's the Starbucks and the Chase Banks don't do a lot for it. But you know what? Just FYI, that's, that's still happening. You just don't hear about it. I guess, I guess it's just not like, yeah, it's so, low. So, Clue, what does is, what is, what is being a New Yorker mean to you? I mean, the, I can tell everybody all the time, man, New York is like the hustle capital. You know what I mean? Wearing it's your like, Giants hat. It, 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 puts the, it puts that, that, that hustle <laughs> battery in your back and that mentality yeah. to go get it that you just can't get other places. That's why you see so many people move to like, other states and they end up coming back because it's like, yo, I couldn't make no money out there. Yeah, you can. <laughs> everything, everything closes at nine o'clock. Yeah. All right, let's do Q and A. Who's got a question? Folks, Raise your hand. Who's got a question? Who's got a question? Got a mic. Got a young lady up front. Um, I have a question for Gary. It's a business question. Go. Um, what would be your you put up your mic to your mouth? Sorry. Um, what would be your biggest piece of advice for someone that's trying to scale from a multiple six-figure business to a seven-figure business? What is your, I guess, differentiator between a multiple six-figure business owner versus a seven-figure? I think. I think when I hear that question, the first thing I would tell you is to not think about becoming a seven-figure business. I think what what got you to six ironically is almost always what gets you to seven. The only difference is you just gotta wait. I mean that, I mean like, look, now, without looking under the hood of your business, what is it? New product offerings, charging more. Biggest mistake that people make is they don't charge more when they have demand, right? Like, I see it all the time. Uh, Not innovating, you did something cool at first, but now everybody's doing it, so now the money's spreading out. Uh, You're impatient. It's just theory, like I started with this. You're doing six, you're actually on your way to seven, it's just gonna take a lot of 29 more months, but you want it in nine months instead of 29. So those are the three cliches. Are you charging, more? are you not charging enough? Are you not innovating your product and creating a new offering? Or are you just impatient? It's tr- that's 80% of the answer to your question. All right, questions? Any, other, any other questions? Randy, what you got? I got a quick question for Gary. Um, being that you're a big sports fan and you're a big Jets fan or whatever, 
it's a lot of stuff going on with the New York Knicks right now. Yeah. You got a lot of investors and stuff. So if the chance came up that you could purchase the New York Knicks, would you? Whenever, um, the only two teams I would ever buy are the Jets and the Knicks. So the answer is yes. You know, I still have a lot of wealth creation to go. You know, I don't think Dolan's selling. I know that everybody <laughs> brings it up. It gets brought up. But he's, he's not selling anytime quick. Um, but yeah, the Knicks would be, the, like people always ask me like, if the, if the Jets sell before you have enough, and would you buy the Bengals? I'm like, the only thing I would even consider is the Knicks, and if I can't get those two, then it was just not meant to be. If Gary gets the Knicks and he lets me pick the players for him, we have a championship in three years. <laughs> <laughs> and I would definitely get that 10 day <laughs> Dave, Dave, Dave. Oh. Listen, I, listen I'm, I'm on the record on this. I think the guard, let me say something to all the youngsters in here that you don't know, because you, you just don't. And the late, great Burt Sugar said this to me. Burt Sugar, if you ever saw this, was the boxing guy that used to have the cigar, used to have a hat. You ever see it on classic sports? I went to like this weird thing he did in New York. There was like 10 people that showed up, but I was such a nerd about boxing. And I got to talk to him afterwards, and we're talking sports. And he said, kid, he goes, New York is a Knicks town. He goes, I know you think it's Yankees and Giants. I was like, the Giants and all that. But he was like, New York is a Knicks town. When the Knicks are going, this is a Knicks town. And I caught it a little bit in 94. It was crazy. The garden is going to be rocking a year from now. I'm telling you, it's coming. Speaking, speaking, speaking about boxing, I have a very interesting story. Being that uh, I went to the fight on, uh, the other on night? Saturday. Woo! Me too. I went to the fight. So, Woo, that was oh. a knockout. So right, right before the fight started, I, I told a story about a Tyson fight I went to. I went to Vegas... Uh, I went to the mall, bought me a nice fancy Kooji sweater, some nice sneakers. You know, I, I bought some some fifteen hundred dollar front row tickets to the fight. Was going to see okay, Tyson, Dad. and it's how I learned my lesson. All fired up. So I was all fired up. We we walked in. I said, "Yo, let me go to the concession stand, go get a pretzel and soda." <laughs> right before the fight started, so the bell rung. I went to go get this <laughs> this this pretzel and soda, and I came back with the pretzel and soda in hand. The fight was over. It was a rap. It was a rap. So this time, you didn't go. At the fight, I didn't go. You, saw you know it. what I mean? And I caught the knockout right when it happened. Let me tell you my story. <laughs> I was there. You seen me? We was together. I seen right, 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 right. Walking. I was there for the knockout, and looked down at my phone. <laughs> oh man! Like a text. Somebody just texted me. Like I'm like, oh. And then the, everybody. Went Crazy. I'm like, nah, I ain't just missed that. <laughs> oh, man. See, now, if you was no there to hear my story, I told a whole row in back of me my story before the fight started. I said, do not go nowhere because the man was going to get a drink. I told him, I said, listen, I made this mistake before. Don't do it. And look sure down, enough, look and up, sure enough, knocked him up. Question. Question, question for Dave. Yo. You know, you close with KD. Is he yeah. coming to New York? Uh, Have you been? Uh, don't do that. Uh, Come on, son. He, he loved New York. I'm gonna say that. Kevin loved New York City. So mm. I, I that. I, I Kevin's been that. real smart. He loved New York. He's flirting, but like he's not telling anybody. Dad. I ain't gonna lie. I ain't gonna lie. I conversate. He, he love the town. You know what I'm saying? Like, I conversate with Katie all the time, and he's not saying nothing to he's nobody. Not. He's not. He's not. I talked to him too. To I, nobody. I know. But he like, he ain't Look, telling me. I got texts on my phone that will tell you Le'Veon came to New York because of me. I recruited. Texting, DMing KD every minute, right. and he's not telling anybody. But I'll tell you right now, on the record, I know nothing. He's coming to New York. 
He's coming. If you think I heard, about, I heard he looking for a new a, a spot out here. So listen, all of think about, think about, think about, think about, think about, knowing, think about knowing nothing. Think about knowing nothing. It's all upside for him. He's got rings. He joined a team. So if you're just thinking the psyche of a winner like KD, the natural upside is going somewhere where it's your team and winning a ring. You win in New York. It's a wrap. I think he's trying to recruit. Like, I, yeah, think he, I, think he, I think he on that time right now. Like, if he do make, if he do make the move, you want to bring. I mean, you want to bring somebody with him. Like, I mean. Questions. Uh, this oh, is for Gary. Hi. Um, I have two questions for you. So the first one is, when you had financial failure, like you know, you've done, can you, you've done really well thus far and all yes. the things. Um, what was the thing that brought you up? Like that mental mindset that- I don't give a about money. I'm being dead serious with you. I do not care about money. I love the game. Like people buy dumb Like I, lately people have been coming at me a little bit. It happened this week and they're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You keep telling all of us that you didn't make any money, but how'd you have money to invest in Facebook, Uber, and Twitter? It's like a thing that's popped up this last week and I'm laughing. Because I'm replying, I'm like, because I lived in an $1,100 a month apartment that was a piece of in Jersey. I went on no vacations. I bought no $4 coffee. I didn't buy any swag clothes. And I saved. I made $41,000 a year the first three years of my career. And I saved $9,000 each of those years. You know how many here make $70K a year and lose money each year? Because they got a I didn't have a credit card until I was 27. I had a debit card because I wasn't going to spend money I didn't have. I don't give a about money, I care about the game, so when I lose money, I don't care, because I just don't care about it. Like, I don't know what else to tell you, like, what? Like, like what are you gonna do with it? What, no, first of all, none of us talk about money. People don't talk about money in America. Like what, we're walking around showing each other our bank accounts? Like, we don't, like, it's super easy for me. I think people value money too much, because they, th- they think it buys them happiness. Like, it, people think that, people think that. And I really don't believe it. I really don't. It's so proven. People need to travel. People, you know, people need to, and by the way, if you can't afford to travel, go watch YouTube. Go look. Like, people are confused out here. You don't need stuff. The more you're into stuff, to be, your happiness, that means you care about other people's opinions. The more you're, outside affirmation is blueprint to disaster. Any more questions? Yeah, part. I'm sorry. Yes. I don't have one. My main, I don't want to sell. My exit, my exit strategy is dying. <laughs> You're welcome. And it's a great question because we live in a culture now where everybody's building businesses to sell. I, I'm older. I'm an immigrant. We build businesses to pass on to the next generation. Hi guys, um, so this question is basically for everybody, but I'm a huge fan of you, Gary Vee. I've been watching all of your videos, all of your videos. I read both of your books, the one that came out in 2009, Crush It, and Crushing It. Um, as somebody that um, puts myself into multiple different fields, I did play college basketball. I started multiple businesses in college. Um, I'm a YouTuber, social media influencer, but... Um, my question is, I watched your, I've watched your advice to 20-year-olds. 
like five million times. And one part of the video that really stuck out to me was um, you said that, I forget exactly how you put it, but you said um, it's hard to be half pregnant in a whole bunch of different things when you can put your all into one thing. And I know this is from, um, I know where you're coming from, but it's also very hard when you have a lot of different interests. You said that because I I just saw DRock's face over the last two months, and I've said this a lot too, I'm all about doing 37 different things. This is what, and I said it yesterday, I was flying from Qatar last night, I got into this conversation with somebody on Twitter, I said, look, I don't think I'm right about anything, I think I wanna share my points of view and let everybody use that as context and do them. All of this, for Dave, for, Dave, for everybody here, this is one big game of self-awareness, and if you are so creative, that you want to do nine things, back to what we just talked about, then the reason I was giving Jewel that advice because I knew a little bit about him and I felt like he needed to go all in on something. But for me, I got a sneaker deal, I got a wine brand, I got a family wine business, I got VaynerMedia, I got PureWow, I got 1.37 p.m., I got VaynerSpeed. Like, I'm so schizophrenic because like, Aton, the last two times I've hung out with him, literally the last two times he's like, you're doing too much Seriously. Straight up, from a good place. He's like, I think you're, you're doing too much And I keep looking, I'm like, I don't give a I was like, it makes me happy. I might just start a flower business tomorrow for the of it. <laughs> it's gotta be the process. You can't go out of business. You gotta pay your bills. But back to the last thing I said, if you make your bills low, people make their bills too high. Then they do they don't wanna be doing because they gotta maintain their bills, right? You know how many people have too many rooms in their home? Almost everyone. I think I think Gary's Gary's a little bit different than everybody else because his passion to win is like he'll go to bed at two a.m. and be up at five thirty a.m. in the gym working and then straight to work all day. He doesn't give a you know what I mean. Like his will to win is different. People, I always say like you know what I mean. Like they try to do mad, mad different things at one time. You need to concentrate on one thing and master that one thing, and then you could branch off and do a bunch of other things. He has VaynerMedia. He has that on lock. 100% right. It's 80%. And then if like the 20% can go to zero, because to his point, my 80 on Vayner actually is 110. But, he, but here's the thing. It's every, you got to remember something. Everyone's different, and everyone's formula for success and happiness is different. So he's telling the truth. We, we literally sat at dinner, and I thought about what Last I was going to say to him for a week, because I love him. That's my brother. And I, I was going to say, listen, I think you're doing too much, and I think that you're not giving yourself enough meaning like enough free time and everything. And he said the most important thing to me. He goes, if I do what you're telling me to do, I won't be happy. I'm happy doing what I'm doing. And the truth is, we all have our own formula, right? We all have our own path for what makes us happy. We all, everyone's different. Gary is happy working 160 hours a week. It may not be what I want. It may not be what Clue wants. It may or may not be what Dave wants. People, we all have people our People hit own me path. up and they're like, Gary V, I want to work 35 hours a week. And I make, make 40,000, I'm like, mazel tov. Like, that's amazing. If that makes, like, th- like, I couldn't agree with that more. And by the way, and if I change my mind tomorrow, then that's what I'll do. If I want to retire and golf, that's what I'll, who are you living for? Like, there is no proper blueprint, but what people struggle with is being patient. The patience thing, this is why I push it so much. People are so hungry to prove that they're successful to somebody else, that it puts an extra level of stress. 
Like I was like I, lately, I've been saying, look, I was 26 years old, 27 years old, ringing up my friends coming to my family liquor store in their nice fancy car because they went to do finance, and I was the cashier to my high school friends buying champagne. I know what they were thinking. What? Um, what do you think they were thinking? They're coming in in their new BMW at 27, coming to my store, buying a case of Vuv Clicquot, and I'm ringing them up and carrying the case of champagne to their car. What do you think what they were thinking? I know what they were thinking, but I was thinking something else. I was thinking that you're judging me in the second quarter. I know the foundation I'm building. It's VaynerMedia. is big, but I know it's not what I'm actually doing. You know, very interesting thing about Gary, I knew Gary very early in his journey. He and I are friends 15 years now. I knew him when he was primarily a wine salesman, working with his dad. I primarily was the only thing I did. Absolutely. And the truth is, as funny as this sounds, you won't believe this, he had less time to spend with me back then. I was, <laughs> true story. I would write him and I go, when are we going to hang out? He goes, bro, I'm so busy. We're going to hang out in like three or four months. By the way, let's not pretend he has so much time now. But back then, it was like insanity, which is so hard to believe. But because... The grind back then was so different than now. Now, you know, we see each other seven, eight times a year, something like that. More. Yeah. Like, I've really leaned into our friendship. Yeah, and for I mean, sure. No, for really, sure. I mean it. But, but Clue, it's, Clue it. it's real. 12, 12, 14 years ago, no joke, I would write him and he'd go, bro, I'm going to try in September. I'm insane. <laughs> and that's real. It was like March. And you know what? And he had no money back then. And that's real. And that's, that's actually a really interesting point, Right. You know I th- what? I never I th- for- Go ahead. I, th- I think with this generation, the biggest thing is like, I feel like everyone's looking for a shortcut. Social, everybody's it's, it's everybody's looking for a shortcut. Like social, I feel like social media did that because you get to, you could be laying in your bed, you feel me, and see what everybody's doing. Like that before, like even with the rap thing about it, Clue, you didn't know what a rapper was doing, what he had on, like unless you was reading the source or. Seen them on TV, you ain't know it. MTV you, Cribs. Yeah, like now I don't have to see you ever, but I know everything you're doing. You know yeah, what I'm sure, saying? So that sure. kind of cuts the the hunger because it's I, like now I'm trying to impress the gram my, or, the, or my, the Twitter. Like, my you know take what I mean? on it is the economy's been too good for too long. People are soft. My take on it is that people, to your point, when they see that, but the reality is, is that every like the reality is. A lot of people grew up more cushy than they think. I love when, you know, obviously with the hip hop stuff, like people are like, I grew up tough. I'm like, he kind of didn't. Like, like people's definition of growing up tough now compared to people growing up tough in the 70s is real, real different. And I think the reality is, is the, I think this becomes, people are impatient because they care about other people's opinion. It's real simple. You actually care what other people think about you. And thus you want to get there faster to flex on them. But let me ask you a question since you mentioned social media. See, I remember when Clue was, was a different, in a different place in his life. And I remember when he was breaking Fabulous, right? And I remember when he was an artist, and I remember the professional and the whole bit, and he had this artist named Fabulous. And, and this is actually where he and I became very close friends. Uh, he, I was doing a birthday party for a friend of mine who was going to remain nameless. And he said Just to say me... It, say it. No. So... Dirty G, okay? Okay. So he said, he goes, and I asked him if he would spin. And he goes, okay, I'll do it, but I'm gonna, I need you to put my artist on and let him perform. At the time, he only had like two lines on this song for Little Mo. He wasn't what he is now. So he did, and, and Clue was hustling so hard to break Fabulous. Oh. 
and we all know where Fabulous is now. And by the way, it's tr- we all Fabulous is a tr- tremendously, tremendously talented guy. Trust me, Clue was the engine in that vehicle. Believe me when I tell you, I was there and I saw it. But the question is that back then it was a whole different, it was a whole different mechanism to break an artist. It was you sign with the label, and the label oh, does so much forever. of the work. These days, Gary's going to tell you, whether you believe it or not, that that's an archaic vehicle. That now an artist can do it themselves. You can get on social media. You can do the work yourself. So, what do you say about that? I feel like it. It. it that's the shortcut that that Clue was talking about. You know what I mean, I feel like you don't have to really put no real groundwork in no more. Like it's no more. It's no. It's no real street teams. Like I can remember seeing street teams. Like yeah. People coming all through the city. Posters on the lampposts. Towels, whatever. Yeah. Like, I remember seeing that. Now it's a, it's a gram post. Like, all that equates into a gra- uh, Instagram post now. Like, and I'm I'm not knocking the gram. I'm on the gram. I, I love it. You know what I mean? But it, I live it, for your gram. Yeah, my my gram is lit. Follow me. If, <laughs> if you care about a father daughter relationship, if you if you <laughs> with father daughter relationships, I'm not joking. I literally think your gram with you and your daughter is some. Real inspirational. You agree, right? Definitely, definitely. He's a character. Dave East at Dave East. It's incredible. (laughs) Follow me. Here's here's the thing. Here's the thing, though. My thing with that is, I love that that's the world we live in. Do you know how many artists couldn't get through the system because the thirty people that controlled at the label and at MTV said no? Seriously. I like, feel like it's dope, not to cut you off, but it, ahead, it, 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 it water it down. But the market gets to decide. You know what I mean? We don't get it, to sit here at this table yeah. and say it's watering down. The people speak. People do, yeah. You it know put, what I mean? It, it put like, the honestly, power back in the artist's hand. Uh, the artist has more power than ever. The audience has more power than ever. You People may think it's corny, but if it has an audience, it has an audience. Like, you can't be mad at the audience. I'm never mad at the audience. Like, do you know how many people on the Kardashians and first, I used to go to LA and, the, and I was telling them about the new world with my agents at CAA and the two things that they made fun of eight years ago were Netflix and the Kardashians. That's the framework now. People, people always uh, wonder why MTV stopped playing videos like out of nowhere. You know what I mean? They wonder that. Now, I'm gonna give you the perfect example. Everyone has music they love. They play it on their phones. No one has, no one in this room probably has purchased a song within the last two years. Now, Jacquees dropped the remix to the LMA song, and it was, it was online, and everyone loved it. And then it went, it disappeared, and no one could find it. Everyone was scrambling and trying to find a copy of it. Now, what happens is Spotify and Apple Music and all the, what happens is the record labels decide to pull all the music and don't let no one stream no more. It's going to be a real serious problem. No, it's not. The artists are going to go direct to consumer on the internet. They same better way, be real way, careful yeah. out here. Clue, same way the I always internet. say, if you wake up and Instagram has died, <laughs> what are you going to like, A lot of what people, what are you going, what are you, what's the B plan if the gram no longer... So I feel like the people before that... I want that to that, happen. <laughs> because I keep, I've been saying what, what, it for what, years, what do people diversify. Do, do you really you better, want that to happen? What do you I really do want it to happen. Listen, you know this about me. I won Twitter in 2007, 8, 9. <laughs> I know how to do this. We can, we can, let's all scratch to zero and start again. Let's go. There's a lot of careers been created solely on Instagram. Like, no question. Like, total careers, though. Of, like, as 
There's, there's, there's several in this room. They as need a, to be. They need to. <laughs> as it as it should Instagram be. need to be getting a percentage off a certain. Like, you know as, what I'm saying? As it should, as it should be, because no different than a newspaper, no different than a radio station. I'd much rather a platform that has no human. I love when people are like the algorithms or Zuckerberg. It's a platform. It's a platform. Who do you want to control? You want Dick Clark to control? You want M- guys? MTV. Let me. Let me. Let's get it real, 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 real straight on race issues in America. For all the youngsters listening, MTV refused to play Michael Jackson until CBS called and threatened to pull all their rock bands in 1983. MTV wasn't playing Michael Jackson. You want that world? Get the out of here. I want a world where the platforms, anybody, transgender, alien, Nobody has say between except the artist and the audience. And if they're doing that you think is corny, that's fine. By the way, that's awesome too. Have your opinion. But the audience gets to speak. They didn't play Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson was at Jackson 5 for 20 years at that point. It, Michael Jackson was very acceptable for white America and they still didn't play him. That's the world we want to go back to? I want to go into a world where the platforms rule and I see my friend Mark here, when it gets to the blockchain, which is the evolution of all this, you can't, like, this, let the audience speak. I know that we all want to have opinions. I never think I'm right. I just follow the audience. The audience. The audience is right. What, your opinion about Pearl Jam is right? Like, your opinion about this fashion brand is right? The audience speaks. Every day the audience speaks. Let it speak. You can throw judgment, shade, your opinion, that's amazing, as one should. But the audience speaks. And that's what's great about all this. I think what everyone needs to think about is, since we're talking about Instagram, Instagram is a, is a quote-unquote free platform. Free. A free platform free. that's worth billions. So use your mind and think about that. How could they give you something for free that you use every day and it still be worth billions? How are they and making it? Because they they, they run think ads. about how they making their money. They run ads, right? They, they run ads. They sell analytics. They do a bunch of a bunch of different things that make that them being able to get in contact with you and all those millions and millions of people is worth a, money. It's a great trade. Yeah, it's worth. What do you do by the way. What do you do? You want to delete your Instagram account? Delete it, guys. Instagram is MySpace. Like we've been living this. It was called. MySpace when you were in grammar school. Top eight and all that. I had a good yeah, time. You wanna, remember when somebody remember when, remember when remember when somebody dropped you from their top eight? How salty you got? You be tight. You Fuck got you salty. Out your top eight for man. <laughs> salty. Got problems in school. Gary, what's what's week. what's the next MySpace? No idea. The, the thing that I've been great at, and you know this, I'll never forget the party at Southern Hospitality. Hope and Beyonce are in there. Timberland, like it's crazy in there. And I I look at. Eitan, I go, I'm gonna bring the most important, richest person. Straight up, this is like literally what I, right? You should have seen who was there. Beyonce, like everybody. And I bring in Travis, the founder of Uber, and I will never forget that party more than anything because I at that point knew that Uber was gonna win, but the world didn't. And I, I will never forget that combo. So, but at that point, don't forget, I passed on Uber as an angel investor. I still did okay. But, By the way, so did Mark Cuban. Yeah, a lot so of people. So did Damon John. A lot of so people. So did a lot of other smart people. But 
but so did Aton. But, God. <laughs> but what I what I'll, be selling what, pizza. what I've done really well is I don't know what's next. I know when it's happened. Like for example, for Dave, and this is not a joke, and this Dave's got to make his own decisions. But when I look at TikTok, I want to win kids when they're six to thirteen, when they're five to eleven. The sooner you can get in, the better. So you know whether it's TikTok or whether it's something else, right? But right now, what I'm very interested in is it's been a little bit of, it's been a minute. It's been a while since Snapchat came out. It's been a while. I was, I, I was just about to ask you about that. Do you think that Snapchat has made any mistakes? A ton of mistakes. And, and, and if so, what, what, what do you think they were? I think they were audacious when Instagram was copying. They were passive. They thought they were too cool. And I thought they didn't move aggressively enough to innovate when they were being attacked. And I think most people are lazy and would rather have one app than two, and that's where they got caught. Like everybody here, I'm looking at the faces and the head nods, everybody was pot committed to both at the time. Right. And as soon as stories came, as soon as filters came, everyone's like, oh, I don't need both. And what Snap made a huge mistake on, my big take is that people are insecure. So at that point, if you remember it, and I know a lot of you are gonna think right now, when, when Instagram started copying Snap, more people had more followers on, Snap, on Instagram than they had views on Snap. If it was the other way around, they would have stayed, but because they had more people following them on Instagram than they had views on Snap, their insecurity of numbers were like, okay, that, now I can do this over here. My stories get more views on Instagram than they do on Snap, and that was a wrap. I ain't, I ain't been on Snapchat since Instagram made the story. Yeah, you, too. you, and a lot of other. And that people. used to be my. I, I like the Snapchat disappear after you send it. I, I, I like that. Instagram made them stories. I ain't been back. I don't even remember my Snapchat <laughs> password. <laughs> I ain't been on that. Sh- got a question over there, Debra. You Got a question? Shh. Oh, we got a mic. Let's get a mic. All right. So I got two questions. Um, and you briefly Touch spoke on. about it. Um, what are your quick? Th- I have one for you and Davies. So, what are your quick thoughts on uh, the blockchain and cryptocurrency? Just quick thoughts. Ah. On blockchain. Blockchain and crypto. Blockchain is the internet. Crypto is like a browser. I don't know who's gonna be, you know, navigate. I don't know who's gonna be the search engine. But the blockchain infrastructure is incredible to me. I think too many people are chasing a lot of different cryptocurrencies. And so for me, it reminds me a lot of internet. And, and listen, blockchain and internet are different, but like what this feels a lot like to me was the mid 90s where you knew the internet was gonna win, but I don't, a lot of you are young. There was a thousand search engines. Dogpile, Lycos, Ask Jeeves. Yeah, Ask Jeeves. Remember Ash? So, what I don't know is Bitcoin or something else. I'm, I'm far more, I don't like talking about things I don't know. I'm, for, I'm a complete buyer of the blockchain technology. Intuitively, less confident, but intuitively, I do believe that there will be cryptocurrencies that matter. Which ones, I don't know. And I think if you study the history of the internet between browsers and search engines, there were thousands. Actually, some of the things, this you guys may remember. Social networks. When MySpace popped, it wasn't just Facebook. There was Tag World. There was like Small World. There was High Five. There was Orchid. There was uh, Plurk. There was 
accounts, which was similar to Twitter. There was all sorts of black and, paying it. You know, black, yeah. <laughs> and so, so <laughs> creep. So creep line. <laughs> so that's how I see it. Dave. Cool. All right. So Dave, Dave East on. So you're obviously more of an established artist. So just rewind, go back like 10 years. Imagine uh, there was a platform that allows you to um, allows you to connect directly with the consumer, like the fans. And uh, this platform, uh, you offer, you get to offer a piece of your music, like five, ten percent, and in return, like it's basically like the stock market for uh, for music, right? So um, on the overall artist's return or on individual projects. So it's an it's an app that um obviously it's like a social media. You get to connect with you offer your like five percent of one of your songs, and in return you want to raise twenty grand, thirty grand, right? I get it. Um, how valuable would that be, like back then? How valuable? Yeah, because like then it would have been like super innovative. Like it would have been brand new, because nobody. I don't even feel like people are doing that now. You know what I mean, like so beyond like certain like you know SoundCloud shit like that, but nobody do that where you could directly get it and you don't have to pay for it. You know what I'm saying? But as 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 free as SoundCloud is, whoever owns that is paid. You get what I'm saying? Like, and you can release free music on that left and right all day long. The consumer could get it free. All I, that. I, I don't I don't I don't think if you gave the average artist, and this is even some of the artists that are on right now, if you give the average artist thirty grand and told them to go promote their record, they wouldn't know what to do with the money. They ain't gonna know what to do. Forget about that for a minute. When a you're chain. an unknown artist, the ability what people don't understand about Kickstarter is 99.9% of Kickstarters don't work. When you're an artist that nobody gives a f- about or knows, saying I'm gonna give you 10% of my back end for 20K, nobody's giving you money. The second you got an audience on SoundCloud and Instagram, you don't wanna do that deal because you want the upfront check from the label, got it? It might be, listen, listen, I take the check from the book, like I can self-publish my books but in that world, I decide to take the upfront check and share with them. To me, it's a very interesting conversation. The platforms like you're describing, the reason they fail, if they fail, because they don't always fail, but if they fail, is you don't get the timing right. Like, if I decide right now, like, yo, get, like, the audience, I'm not big enough yet to command the dollars. Kickstarter's amazing, but then people go and do a Kickstarter and nobody gives them any money. It's great in theory. But I feel like, the, like he just was saying, them people got platforms. If you take me back 10 years ago, nobody in this room know me. So it, it couldn't work. You feel me? Now if I do it, it's like, all right, I have people that are- The two guard from it. Richmond? You have no, yeah, like, what the f- is that? Like, nobody, I feel like you have to create a platform before anything can happen. That's why, like he was saying, your attitude has changed instead of, Waiting to work to see what that do. You want that upfront bread because you know who you are at that point. All right, Ace. What's your question, uh, baby? All right, Aton. So uh, it's amazing Shh. watching you and Gary just enjoying this moment and just you know sharing nuggets to everyone here. Um, I've been following Gary for the last ten years. 
and yourself, Eitan. Thanks, buddy. And I've seen the expansion, and Gary just said something that was so key, which is, I love this process, right? So for someone like myself, I'm always wondering, you have a million things going on. What's your success in terms of something that you can give to, to everyone here in terms of how do you manage your time? Because it's only 24 hours in a time, and you have so many businesses, Gary. What's like your, a friend, what do you attribute I, your success I, I to? I exactly know where I want to go. There's a friend I have named Tom Bellew, and I was, shh, and I had him on my podcast, and he broke it down for me. He said, Gary, you're, he loves superheroes. He goes, your superpower is you don't judge yourself. That's actually my answer. The reason I can manage everything is I don't judge myself. Like when I'm here and like I, I looked at my phone and there was like two like issues. Like when I'm here around trying to make some content, give love to the fans, see my boys, do my thing. When I look and I miss the text from a huge client and tomorrow that client's frustrated and that client decides to fire Vayner and I lose $400,000 in revenue, I don't judge myself. People beat themselves up. They're like, ah, oh, I shouldn't have done the pizza thing. I should have checked the phone. I should have had, you know, Tyler pay attention. Like, people beat themselves up. You know, you know, people beat themselves up. And a lot of times, you know, I'm trying to find the right balance of like, I love the whole thing. I love saying, hold yourself accountable. Everything's my fault. But then I have friends around me like Mark who are like, hey, some of us when we hear that, and I'm like, right. Because I hold myself accountable, but I equally, on the polar side, I don't beat myself up. And if you don't have one or the other, you're in trouble. If you, if you don't beat yourself up, that's amazing. But then if you don't hold yourself accountable, you become audacious and you become delusional. If you hold yourself accountable, but you're, you beat yourself up, then everything feels extra. So it's in the counterbalance and I think when I'm at my weakest, I'm only talking about one or the other. And what I'm trying to evolve into is make sure I'm creating clarity. My strength is not overjudging myself, but also knowing that I have to be accountable. Like that was my fault that I missed that. But at the same token, it's a loss in the micro. But in the macro, I love my process and I'm growing. That's great. And I have one last question for Eitan. Oh, uh, you've been my mentor in terms of being a restaurateur and now you're doing Empathy Wines and this whole pizza shop. How do you continue to recreate concepts, you know, you just took over White Horse Tavern, and it's just amazing how just being in the restaurant business, it's not easy. How do you actually have the vision to kind of take over concepts that are struggling and then really, you know, revamp it and, and create something that's a niche? Uh, well, you know what, Ace, honestly, and, and by the way, the guy who's asking the question is, is, is a wonderful guy. He's also in the business. He owns a, a restaurant right next to mine. You know, buddy, it just comes down to passion. It comes down to I, I enjoy the business. I love what I do. I've, I find concepts that I enjoy. I manifest them in my mind, in my heart, in my soul. Um, I won't tell you everything works. Some do, thank God. Uh, yeah, the new project is White Horse Tavern. It's the it's second oldest place in New York, so I'm, I'm so excited about that. And, yeah, it's like what, what we're all talking about here. It's, it's, it's a passion project. You know, some, so often in life, we think what we're doing is about money, and it's not about money. It's about passion. It's about what makes us happy. It's about what brings enthusiasm into our lives. So what we do for a living, we're both in the same business. It has so many hard moments, but we must love it, because otherwise we wouldn't do it. And Ace, so, you're also banking. Like, you do a lot of stuff. I'm telling you, it's the judgment. Like, when people start realizing your L is your L, not anybody else's, it gets real good. 
you maybe you've heard this, I bring up that scene from Rocky IV when, when Drago loses and Russia's off and he grabs the mic and he's like, you Russia, I was in the ring. This is my loss. You deal with your America versus Russia, but this, I fought, I was in here for me and I don't know why, maybe because I was born there, but like to this day, that's how I think about it. If Empathy Wines goes out of business because Atom was right that I was too stretched, I can't hear the judgment. That's my L. That's for me. And when you actually go there, it gets a lot easier because so much of us, I'm telling you, outside affirmation, it's so difficult. When you can get insular, I navigate everything so easy because if I lose, I make fun of myself, to myself, we have a conversation and we move on and you just go. Inside, like, don't judge yourself. You're trying. To me, if you're trying, like it's a very third grade but when you're having that, like I, I am never gonna be disappointed because I'm leaving it on the field. I'm bleeding out here. For real, I'm trying. And I'm trying to do good. Like I feel good about it. And if it's an L, it's an L. We all have that. So guys, yeah. I want to thank everybody for coming out tonight. Most importantly, <laughs> please, round of applause for Dave East for coming out and joining Dave us. Man, Dave, July on that album. Yeah. July, man, please follow Dave East. Word. We're made in New York pizza, DJ Clue. Gary V, I'm the boy from New York City. We'll see you next month. Thanks for coming out. Hey guys, I hope you really enjoyed this episode of the Gary V Experience. Now go out and share this, pass it on. Let me know what you thought.